0: two primitive screw heads. Listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that ruckus
1: What rocket?
0: I was just in my office and I heard a rocket.
2: I'm
0: the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore?
2: you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me, blow, good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. What's up everyone?
1: So you're bringing back the late '90s?
2: Yeah, <laughs> bringing it back. DJ Nubis.
1: and DJ Netco
2: here with you on the Meltdown Radio Podcast, episode 121. We keep racking them up, stacking them up,
1: and knocking. And you them all down. keep,
2: yeah, you all keep downloading them down. So that's good.
1: We actually, like, it's kind of wild. I saw that you, um, you posted that we hit 2,000 downloads and for our little show. It's kind of big, right?
2: Yeah, it's a big deal. We're big deals.
1: We are big deals. People stop (laughs) us. People want to be us. They're like, yeah, we want to be DJs too.
2: So, yeah, uh, we love bringing you the metals, the rocks, and all the interesting topics that we think that you might like and enjoy. We have a lot of fun doing this stuff.
1: I mean, without meeting you, I would... I mean, I've always been a rock and metal fan, but without meeting you, and I met you very young, and we've known each other for, what, 19 years now? So, like it's kind of like we uh you introduced me to so many different things that you know and I think that's kind of like what happens with other people is it's a lot of the stuff is just not mainstream and then me I'm thinking I'm underground by discovering like some stuff that you know just from reading magazines when I was younger or but you like really opened my eyes to a lot of different bands that I never would have thought I um I would have liked Right. So, I I appreciate that a lot. I, you know, and I like the metal scene, and I like, you know, meddling it up, and we've met some really great people over the years, and... Well,
2: that's always, we've talked about it before, that's always the cool thing about metal in general, like, you know, we like our fair share of big metal bands, um...
1: Clearly, we, we're, we're, you know, the, like, the Slayer, the Metallica, the Megadeth, but
2: the reality is, like, with a lot of the bands we do see, even if they're not, like, friends of ours, just... We've been able to meet, like, you know... Enslaved. Like enslaved, Dath, uh, gold whore guys from them, like, just out of Overkill. blue. Overkill? Overkill. Barney? Barney, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, like, but that's the thing, like, on the more underground level, like, your chances of just hanging out and checking these guys out, we did it, uh, when we went to see Pig Destroyer and, uh, Outer Heaven and all of them <laughs> at the gallery, like, those guys from, That's like,
1: a really cool venue. Hideous, though.
2: hideous divinity, uh was there, and we were, like, chatting with them a little bit. And, you know. Our
1: our thing, too, as, you know, fans, is we always want to try and buy something, you know, and we're always buying shirts or stickers or whatever, and we have quite the collection of, of t-shirts, but it's, a uh, that's kind of, we know that's really how a lot of these bands make their money, is through merchandise and through actually playing at places, so we, we do try to go and, and see bands. It's, You know, and now that things are opening up, it's more important now that you get out there because even though some places, especially the smaller venues, they still have restrictions, you know, in how many people are allowed to be there. If you, um, the bands themselves, I've I've heard this from people who are, you know, touring musicians that a lot of the musicians are kind of like, why am I going to travel all the way to Georgia or New York and then... Usually this venue holds 2,000 people, but they said they have to cap it off at 7.50. What the venues are telling bands is, we will remember who comes when we open back up and who doesn't come when we open back up. And they're not, like, threatening the bands, but they... Well,
2: you can tell just by, like, reading Facebook and social media that a lot of the bands are just really excited to get back out there. Like, mm mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even though they all kind of, like, did their YouTube and video stuff to try to make, you know, keep things in some capacity of making income. Uh, and it's all
1: about keeping people engaged, too. Yeah,
2: and so, but now they're like, you know, I'm sure by August, you know, that's when we've seen a lot of these concerts listed are coming by. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially, yeah, August and September. Um, and what we're realizing, too, with a lot of these these bigger Tours, especially for the U.S., with um, people coming from out of the country, they've pushed those because of um the restrictions and everything. And we're really get we're really ready to get back out there and see bands and be excited about life, etc etc et cetera. It's all about it's all about the metal.
2: Yep, and we got plenty of that coming up today. Uh, some classic stuff in there for you. I've also got some new stuff uh trick or treat metal wings um boss colloid also got some uh what do we got here Vile Cynic, the absence canvas solaris and much much more um definitely got some stuff in there from curtain calls um uh, metal devastation radio scarlet records hard life promotions uh what do we also got against p r and atomic stuff so I got a lot of stuff coming at you in this episode. Going to kick off our first block um, with a band out of Eastern uh, Maryland and the Eastern Shore. Eastern Shore, called Crawling Manifest, and nice. they contacted us and wanted us to play a track for them, so we're going to do that now. We also got from Curtain Calls a band called Haymaker, and then brand new stuff from Bomber. But here's <laughs> Crawling Manifest with Revolution.
0: This is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Niko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. Get into it. Get into it
2: now. Now. No. no. DJ New is back with you as well as DJ Niko. And so, like, after a late night of watching a certain show that we'll talk about later, uh, I finally got to bed around 3 a.m. and Neko had her TV on upstairs in the bedroom where she was passed out. Uh, So I decided, well, maybe I'll watch a little bit of Tubi, which is one of our favorite apps on the Roku right now. I was checking out what they had added. To there and I, I was discovering different things that are all tied in with some of the topics that we got going on today. But uh, one of the things I came across was that I was not aware of is for the 1988 99 year uh, for one season, they actually had a, a Fantasy Island reboot. Now, for those of those who know Fantasy Island from the old days, um, recently Blumhouse, which does a lot of the horror movies and remakes and terrible stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made a movie about fantasy it was all dark and spooky and like gory and whatever it was not the traditional sense of back in the day with uh, Ricardo Montalban and all them
1: good old Ricardo
2: Montalban yeah but anyway in 98 they rebooted the series and were trying it out I guess it didn't do that hot but then again I hardly even knew of it I, I didn't even know about it now until now uh but it starred Malcolm McDowell as oh, Mr. Malcolm Rourke. McDowell. And uh, I watched like the first part of the pilot. I got through about, you know, a half hour before I I had have to go to sleep, but I think maybe Nick and I will give it a shot and check it to see what it's all about. But it had like a lot of familiar names in it. Um Alex McDowell. If you don't know him by now, you just need to stop listening to the show. Uh <laughs> Mad and Mick, who has appeared in a few different things. Uh, Nick and I have talked about her recently. Uh, Erica Leniac, we just watched um, Under Siege the other day. Mm-hmm. And she was in that. So she was in a couple episodes there as well. Of that Now, there's also a guy, I think he's supposed to play. Uh, who was the little midget dude? Um, what was his name in Fantasy Island? Do you remember
1: Oh, 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 the plane, yeah. the plane, um, fuck.
2: Yeah, I forget his name, uh, sorry. Uh, oh, God. But anyway, they they, they had a, a different character playing, not a midget, but a different character playing, basically what he was, uh, Louis Lombardi. And I recognized him right away because he, again, I'll be talking about him just a, a little bit later, uh, was in the shows He was in for 11 episodes, I think they had 13 overall. Uh,
1: tattoo
2: tattoo yes thank you so basically uh from the description of the series uh like i said i only got in a few minutes before i was like really tired like 3 a.m so it says that the series itself is also dark so i'm curious and i'm sure an would be too to see how what they mean by that like i really don't know uh much about it never heard of it uh but like i said a lot of you know familiar names in it and uh it's something that i do want to check out just to see how it is like it may be really bad uh, i know one thing the the way that the show is introduced like the the opening theme and everything is not even close to the same thing and you know when you grow up with ricardo Montalbán and tattoo and it, like it, it's a whole different thing like that was such a much more lighthearted show
1: oh god this is so sad i, I just i'm reading about his Billy uh, Bilichazi, I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. He's the um, he's the guy who played Tattoo. Mm-hmm. He committed suicide oh, that's in t- 1993.
2: Yeah, that's too bad. He also appeared in a, a James Bond film as well. Uh,
1: the Man with the Golden Gun.
2: Yeah. Uh, he was good, uh, you know. But that, you know, it's sad. I didn't know that he'd taken his own life. That's too bad. I know. But uh, you know, I, I, for those that. You weren't aware of this either like it's on Tubi right now if you have that app it's free uh maybe check it out see what you think of it um I'm not sure what to make of it yet um there wasn't a whole lot to go off except for like the opening scene one dude who ends up going to the island like somehow it, it is it's a lot different because there's a scene where the cut there's a couple in fact, uh, one of the the lady older lady in the shop that this guy appears in mm-hmm. it's like a travel agency. Mm-hmm. The old lady is actually in Beetlejuice. She's the one that's uh giving out the the orders to the couple, Dina Davis and the guy, mm-hmm. Baldwin. She's the older one smoking a lot. Oh
1: God. Uh
2: so she's in that. Um and then like the guy that walks in, you know he's looking at this calendar and it has like a picture of a you know beach and all that and then all of a sudden this plane's like flying actually in the picture and the guy walks in is with the old lady and he's he's like yeah i don't know everyone says something different when they come in here so then there's another scene early on where like mcdowell's gonna welcome the plane uh, by walking down to the pier and like it looks like it's getting cloudy and it's gonna rain and Mm -hmm. he snaps his finger and all of a sudden it's sunny (laughs) <laughs> so it's, it's really weird um, I'm not sure what to make of it yet um, you know the thing about fantasy Song with Mata Blanc was that fantasies were to come true but the, you never saw any magic really happening it was just kind of there like things just happened mm-hmm. so you didn't know if it was just like the island was doing it, or in this case it looks like it's something McDowell is doing I don't know um, there's also a moment with Louis Lombardi who plays Cal the guy I was talking about he says something to McDowell, McDowell's like, well, I can always send you back, and you know, Lombardi's characters like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah! So, <laughs> so I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. We need to check out, at least a couple episodes. Yeah,
1: it's, and- it says it has 13 episodes, um, it's, it does say it's a dose of dark humor. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Malcolm McDowell's Mr. Rourke, uh, Yeah. Yeah. This is just kind of interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I can't remember the last time I watched the original Fantasy Island. But... Right.
2: But, like, you know, up until... I, like, I had known they made Blumhouse and made the movie. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, at least they're taking a stab at something that's, you know, from way back. But I never even heard of this series at all. Like, they must have not pushed it at all. Like, I just... I don't get it. Like
1: That happens a lot. Like, there there have been shows that turn into kind of, like, cult favorites that only have one season, like My So-Called Life. It was a huge Well, we remember we were watching
2: um, for a little while Deadwood. That went for like four before they called it quits, and then they ended up making like a short movie to kind of close it all out, but that series was pretty good too. Um, yeah, so we'll keep you up to date on that when we finally get around to looking at it. It was something I thought was interesting, and NECA might be interested as well. We both like McDowell a lot. so Yeah,
1: we do love Malcolm McDowell.
2: All right, well, let's get back into our music. Music. I got a lot of classic stuff coming your way in this. Uh, Classic bolt thrower protector, and here's Carnage kicking it off with Torn Apart. everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ.
1: Live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua
2: Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, afternoon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Necco on Metal Tavern Radio.
0: Rick Sorkin. Rick Sorkin! <clears throat> Rick Sorkin? Excuse me, Mr. Sorkin, you are five minutes late. Is there a reason why I should let you in?
2: I, I'm just trying to ditch the cops, okay? I, I don't really care if you let me in or not. <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah. Mr. Spectre will be right with you. Can I get
2: you anything? A coffee or a bottle of water? I don't. i simple. Hi, uh, Rick Sorkin. Harvey Specter. Nice, nice. to meet you. You you have a seat here?
0: Whoa! What's this? Can I help you? Mm-hmm.
2: No the hell did you know they were the police? I read this novel in elementary school, and it was the exact same thing. You read a novel in elementary school?
0: What? I like to read. And why'd you ask them what time it was? Uh, throw them off. I mean, what kind of drug dealer asks a cop what time it is when he's got a briefcase full of pot, right? We should hire you. Jesus, I'd give you the 25 grand as a signing bonus. I'll take it. Unfortunately, we only hire from
2: Harvard, and you not only did not go to Harvard Law School, you haven't even gone to any law school. What if I told you that I consume knowledge like no one you've ever met, and I've actually passed the bar? I'd say you're full of crap.
0: That's a Barbary legal handbook right there, right? Open it up. Read me something. Anything.
2: Civil liability associated with agency is based on several factors, including including the deviation of the agent from his path, the reasonable inference of agency on behalf of the plaintiff, and the nature of the damages themselves. How did you know that? I learned it when I studied for the bar. All right, we're back, and that was a little clip from... Debut episode of Suits, which Necro and I have been checking out the last few days.
1: This is DJ Anubis' new favorite show.
2: Yeah, I love it today. So much so that now Necro and I have a battle of what is better, Gilmore Girls or Suits.
1: Well, I said Suits is like Dudes Gilmore Girls. I know that that's kind of.
2: It's the guy's version of Gilmore. Yeah. Girls, because
1: Gilmore Girls, they talk fast, they have lots of pop culture references movie references song references same thing in suits they talk fast lots of movie quotes to each other and it's just funny like you you see like and granted i know this is dramatized for tv but they do show the crazy hours that these uh these lawyers work, the kind of high stakes.
2: Associates, yeah. yeah.
1: They show the high stakes negotiations that they get into crossing the line, dabbling with the line, it's it's crazy.
2: Yeah, the thing is, like, you know, uh, Neko had heard from her own boss that you know, was recommended we check this out, so we did and like, I, weirdly enough, like it has like, even like after researching a little bit the last night or so, like some of the characters and actors and actresses in it, like, have been in a lot of things that we've watched over the years. Like, a lot of the people that are in this show have been in stuff like CSI, Criminal Minds, like, just various episodes here and there. And then uh Gina Torres, who plays Jessica Pearson, who's, like, one of the leads, has been in a shit ton of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh she was in the, the, I think, the two Matrix sequels. Um She was in that I uh, talked about how she was in Serenity and Firefly, the TV show, playing mm-hmm. Zoe uh, Washburn. So if you're a big Serenity fan, you'll recognize her from that. Uh, let's see what else she's got in here. She's, she has been part of Xena, Warrior Princess, Dark Angel, Law and Order. Uh, I saw, this was part of the thing with Tubi when I was going through. I saw like this other series called Cleopatra 2525. Now, I didn't look at it or watch it, but... Uh, Gina was on the cover, and I'm like, that looks just like Jessica Pearson. So I looked it, it up. And it was! Sure enough. Um, she's had episodes with Angel, if you remember that show, the spinoff from Buffy. Uh, as I said, CSI. Uh, what else we got in here? <laughs> Bones, Criminal Minds. Uh, she's just been at so many different things. Like It's really crazy. Uh, but she's a really good actress, and of course, we were talking about her earlier. Uh... Suits has gone nine seasons and no more, but now there's like a, a spinoff called Pearson, which has 10 episodes apparently already. So uh, we'll probably be checking that out that at some point. Uh, but other uh, actors and actresses in this, um, as I talked about earlier from the Fantasy Island series, uh, there's a gentleman named Louis Labarti. He plays a lot of smaller roles, uh, but the one that I noticed him from right away was the movie called The Spirit. And he was basically playing Pathos, who is like uh, this clone that Samuel Jackson's character keeps making up to be thugs. You know, it's his little henchman that he creates. And so Lombardi was playing these duplicate characters looking like himself. Um, But the spirit also featured Gabriel Mack, who is uh, Harvey Specter. Uh, He's like another lead in the Suits show. So... Uh, he was the main playing Denny and the spirit in that movie so that's I didn't, didn't even put it together initially uh, but he's been in a few other things stuff I think stuff I've seen but not really gone back to uh, like I there was a simply irresistible I think that was the uh god damn, what's her name shit who played Buffy Michelle Sarah Sir Michelle, Michelle Gellar I think that was that movie I think um he was in Behan- Behind Enemy Lines. Uh, the oh, wow. Yeah, so he's been in a few different things, uh, probably a little bit smaller roles. Uh, but he's fantastic. Like, every actor in this series for Suits is amazing. And, of course, the one major main that we saw was Meghan Markle. <laughs> if you don't know who she is by now, then I can't, don't know what to tell you. But Right. Uh, you know, she's a big... Uh, Character in this as well because she's the love interest of um, the other gentleman. I forget his name offhand. My apologies. But I think one of my favorite characters in this is Sarah Raptor, who plays Donna, who is basically. Oh my
1: god, I love her.
2: Uh, is basically um Harvey's I legal I secretary. S- yeah, she would probably kick me in the balls for saying a secretary because she's more like an advisor almost. Uh, but, yeah, she does play at the front desk, and she takes, you know, and keeps them updated. That's basically what she does. She's
1: been with Harvey since they were at the DA's office.
2: Right. So, but she's very quick-witted, uh, very fun. Her character is amazing. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, takes no shit, obviously. Uh, the show basically follows, uh, I mean, what is his name? God damn it. Give me a minute, folks. Who are you talking about? The, the uh the lead kid, Mike Ross. Yeah. Patrick J. Adams. He's the one who portrays him. Sorry. Uh, so Mike Ross was basically if you listen to the scene a little bit, he's in a hotel. Uh, this is where Donna and Harvey are conducting interviews for their next associate or whatever.
1: And they only pull from Harvard.
2: Right. Right. They. Everyone that goes to Harvard. So Mike Ross has no... he He's incredibly smart. Can read your book and remember it. All, like, as you told by the, uh, the tidbit like there. Like,
1: verbatim.
2: And, uh... But he's just not... He has no direction right now in life, so... He's basically carrying a suitcase full of pot.
1: He's helping his friends sell weed. Right.
2: and But what happens is he goes to the hotel and realizes that it's like a sting operation to get caught. So he finds a way to evade them by running away uh, runs into where the interviews are being held by Donna and company and that's when you hear him say I'm just trying to get away from the cops. Mm -hmm. Now She thinks he looks exactly, behaves exactly like Harvey because they're both kind of like off the cuff type guys. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is Ross managed to convince Harvey to hire him as an associate even though he knows that he didn't go to uh, Harvard but Harvey can tell that this kid is smart he knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. and he's promising to be the best fucking lawyer on the planet so there's a lot of drama in this that's what it's meant for so there's a lot of like in-house bickering between uh senior uh heads and the uh partners and everything else so you get a lot of that with this so it's not like it's designed to be like a super big comedy there are comedic moments because the characters bring it out uh, for different things which is really cool especially with as neck pointed, they do a lot of uh <laughs> nods to movies and drop in one-liners <laughs> yeah so.
1: wait he's like you complete me and then he's like what you never saw jerry mcguire
2: <laughs> right uh so yeah you know uh i just really love the show it's it's you're
1: flying we're just flying through it i it's... mean we're only
2: in season two and i'm not stopping yet like i we actually will probably go back and watch the final episode of Joe Bob Briggs, uh, the Last Drive, and there was a couple of movies. One I've seen, I've seen them both, but they had Roger Corman on. I think that's the only thing I'd really be interested in watching is just his his. <laughs> just comments. fast forward to right. But I knew they would record that. Um, but I wanted, I really get into suits, and then we decided to watch that throughout the night, and it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the show. It's really good.
1: I agree. I, I'm.
2: I don't know if I'd watch it as much as she watches Gilmore Girls, but yeah, I, I, you know, I really like the show, and I hope they don't fuck it up because Sons of Anarchy, Lost, they, they all kind of got us hooked early on. She never saw Sons of Sons of Anarchy, but I was well into season four with that, and then they killed off a good character, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it happens, it, you know. It is what it is. But I. Uh, yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, I mean, it's, it's. I know if Michael Blake is listening, yeah, you need to watch this and go back and reevaluate your fucking choice as Damn. a whole. Damn! <laughs> Mr. Lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, check it out.
1: We enjoy it.
2: We give it two thumbs up. Two. A lot of sexy women. And
1: lots of sexy women. And, um, like, Donna is just beautiful. And hysterical, and she's just very classy. But then you see how she can just like, oh, she's got such a bite sometimes.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's very good. All right, well, let's get back into some music. And we got some stuff from Scarlet Records kicking this off. This is stuff from Trick or Treat called Scream. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. jumping to our rock block here. Nekka's got a very interesting pick of the week.
1: Why is it? Because
2: it's not something people would expect. Oh, well,
1: it's totally me.
2: It's totally you, that's for sure. Uh, I got some stuff from Platins, also Helix, Boss Colloid, Lords of Salem, and we're kicking it all off with Glenn Poland. This is Kingdom Falls. Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stouffers Auto Service in Millersville Maryland. Stouffers takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stouffers is located at A328 Veterans Highway Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. is are professional, friendly, and highly qualified mechanics do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find in other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you out. Neelix, and it's kind of interesting because I remember it mainly from the 80s when they were doing more of the hard hair rock stuff, but they actually have the material going back into the 70s, and uh, some of it's a little more 70s-ish type rock, that's kind of one of those Yeah, that's kind, kind of how
1: it sounded. It was like real 70s sounding. Yeah,
2: so uh, they got a nice little collection of stuff out there that people don't really know about, so that was one of those nice little tracks you get to check out from Metal Town Radio.
1: That's right!
2: so pick it week.
1: that's right so we were kind of alluding to it earlier um for me this isn't a surprise because i mean i know anubis wouldn't think it was a surprise i am a 90s girl i grew up in the 90s i love the 90s and this band was huge in the 90s especially as you know like ska and alternative music were kind of like kicking it off um I think this is one band that I saw the most when I was younger because they were everywhere every um every festival every like concert venue they were either like headlining or they were opening for someone or it would they just they were always around now this song especially I love because it was in the movie Clueless and um, It was that part where uh, they went to that party and um, Ty was kind of like not getting anybody to dance with her and um, she was like feeling bummed out and Cher's dancing with the guy who ends up being gay and so honestly this song is like a great embodiment of how I felt in the 90s. I had Clueless which was one of my favorite movies, I had The Ska and I always loved like How the ska bands had, what at least like eight members, and it it was just so much fun. And that's all this really is about is having fun and enjoying music. And for this week, I chose the mighty mighty boss tones, and the song is "Someday," I suppose. And again, if you've ever seen the movie Clueless, you'll recognize this song. But if you're like me and you're forty or a little bit older, and you grew up in the 90s, meaning, like, you were kind of the teenager age all through the 90s, you're going to really feel like, yeah, they were everywhere. And Ska was everywhere for that, like, maybe five-year period.
2: Well, the funny thing that I know about Ska is, like, how close it, it actually has close ties to Punk. Oh, yes, Um, it does. um, So, you know, when we talked like, one of your picks a few weeks ago was Pennywise, and... Pennywise yeah. is a
1: little bit more punk than Scott. Right,
2: right. But I'm just saying that that's, you know... Pennywise is punk. When people listen to this show, they're like, well, why is this particular band on here? And it's like, yeah, it's got horns, and it's got a little bit of uh, funk a little bit. In there. But when you think about it, because with rock, and especially, like, people don't really question Faith no more, but they're, like, all over the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always have been. Well, so. that's how
1: Sublime is. You know, they've got songs that are, like, a lot heavier... And then they've got a lot of the ska kind of songs, like right. where they've got the horns and they've got like I mean, "Date Rape" is very, very, very ska like. But then you have um, Santeria. Mm-hmm, It's yeah. it's not. It's it's just kind of like a. Right. So like I, that's what I really, I I really, just.
2: No, I was thinking also the Offspring. They kind of do the similar thing. <gasps> they, you know, they they started out more punkish but now they kind of got this modern rock where it's kind of like Scottish or whatever that they do uh it's just it's interesting um obviously this style of music isn't my favorite of everything that's out there but I enjoy some of the sublime stuff and you know like I, I, I can't what was this one by my boss tones I really liked that was like the real popular track back in the day knock
1: on wood never had to knock on wood the impression that yes, I get yeah the impression
2: I get that's it yeah so it's not like they haven't played anything that I haven't liked. But, uh, you know, it's not something I listen to on the norm. But
1: What I also really liked about the 90s, besides just everything, you know, we weren't overcome with information overload. We didn't, you know, we had beepers, but that was about it. But we still had the internet, so you could, you know, surf it on, what was it?
2: Go F- dial-up.
1: 54 up. dial-up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, as soon as cable... Took you like
2: two or three times to connect.
1: Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, disconnected if somebody picked up the phone and screwed with you. But we, when cable internet came out, my mom and dad, we were early subscribers to the cable internet. And when you and I first met, this is 2002, you still had dial-up.
2: Yeah, I think I was using, what was it, Zero something something? Net Zero. Net Zero, yeah. And
1: I had the Comcast cable internet, and... You came over to my house and you know we're on the internet and you're like this is amazing. This is all before this is all before Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. You ha- you still had to have a hard line to your computer. But we like the 90s just I feel like it had like the right blend of, of like Don't get me wrong. I've been an early smartphone. I was on that bandwagon the day that the iPhone came out. I had one th- probably five years before, maybe longer than DJ Anubis did, right? But I'm just seeing so much. Like, kids just don't have an imagination anymore. And I was kind of commenting about my niece. Like, I see, like, her and her friends are, like, FaceTiming all day, and they'll just leave it on. And, and do whatever. And the, she's walking around the house and she's got her phone on FaceTime and she and her friends are... And I'm like, why don't you guys, like, I mean, hang out? Or, for me, like, when I was around 11, it was a really big deal. Like, once a month, my mom would buy a, a teen magazine. Like, you know, and it had had quizzes. and But magazines aren't a thing anymore. I mean, it's really hard. They're out
2: there, but, like, no one really pays... I, like, I haven't been in... Barnes & Noble's in forever, so I can't really say how busy they are, but it depends on their locale. Like, the one off of the... The Avenue? Yeah, that probably gets a lot of traffic, because there's so much other shit going on down there, but yeah, I don't know how many people actually go out and buy magazines anymore. Like, I mean, I probably still would, but like, I can get the same information right Mm -hmm. off the web, so there's really no point to it.
1: I I just... Unless
2: you're collecting them, which is something... You do
1: have a ton of them that you've saved, because they have a lot of great interviews and stuff with bands. (laughs) But what what I'm trying to get at with the 90s is I felt like it was the best of both worlds. Like, I went to concerts, and I really went to concerts. I didn't have my phone out recording anything, and I've been trying to be more like that. I'm like, as we, as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't need to record this at all. Like, I, it's great, wonderful. I, maybe I'll take a couple of pictures while we're there. Before, even when I had my first iPhone, I still had a digital camera because it was much better quality. Now that it's, you basically have this high-tech device that's a video recorder, and it's a digital camera better than anything that was ever available. Plus, it's a phone and it's a music player and it's this and it's that. And I um. There's just parts of, I mean, making mixed CDs.
2: Yeah, everything's Spotify. Was, they kind of remind me of. The band Madness from the 80s. Do you remember? Our House. Mm-hmm. They, In the middle yeah. of our
1: street. I just love, like, all the ska bands. They always wear, like, suits. Yeah. And then it's so funny. They're I pretty
2: energetic. Cr- I mean, I've seen live footage of them. and they, They're very live when they they kick ass live. Just I've do. seen them
1: live so many times. He starts off the singer full suit. And, I mean, you know how hot it would get the weekends He's of like, the HF Festival? He's, like, undoing his tie, taking off his jacket, rolling up his sleeves. And... By the end of the set, he's just, like, barely got his shirt on still. Um, it was always, like, the second weekend in May, wasn't it? The HF Festival? Because I remember I yeah, so I got a really bad I sunburn.
2: The one I went to was in... September. Oh, that yeah. was a
1: special one. But the, um... It was before, it was, I was senior in high school, and if you can believe it, I drove. No navigation systems, remind you, this is back in the day. I drove, it was just me and my friend Mike, I had the MapQuest directions to get down to, not FedEx Field, what was the old one?
2: Was it Cook?
1: Jack Kent Kutz Stadium? Yes! It was the old Redskins Stadium, and we, my friend Mike and I, MapQuest directions printed out. In my teeny tiny Dodge Omni that barely could go 50 miles an hour. So we're driving from Baltimore to D.C., which is already a little bit of a hike. Packed, packed, packed because everybody's going. And no navigation. I just, we, we figured it out. You know, we just had a good time. And I just remember I did Eventually, not. Eventually
2: when you get in the area you're supposed to be in, you just see a bunch of cars with mm, yeah, stickers. Just, and then
1: they, there's you're like,
2: like, follow them. Yeah,
1: there's signs <laughs> for redskins and stuff. But we, uh, we just enjoyed, like, I feel like we, in, in the 90s, you had this new technology which helped you. It helped you connect with people. We and I, I loved it. But then we also disconnected a lot, too. I didn't have a car phone. Um, like, all these kids get cell phones because nobody has house phones anymore, so you immediately have to get your child a, a cell phone so you can get a hold of them because you know like around 12 when you, they're allowed to be home by themselves after school so there's no house phone, so they need this in case there's an emergency
2: well, that's how some artists now get tired because it used to be people you know whether it's moshing or fist bumping or whatever like you know we still get that but then there's like a lot of people just use phones and uh-huh. that's all they do and pisses some artists off like they like you know why are you even here like if you're going to stare at your phone all night why are you here?
1: And that's what I'm really trying to get away from. I'm trying to go back to that, like, embracing concerts. I
2: mean, that's why, like, when I go, like, even though I'll take some clips from the, you know, the concert, like, but I won't do like full songs or full sets. Like, I just
1: you just take it to enjoy. Take it for like yourself. a minute's worth,
2: load it up, and then go back to watching the show because I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just I, I'm there for them and the live environment. So that's what it's all about.
1: And sometimes it is fun, like, again, I'm not bashing on the internet or this digital age, because without it, we wouldn't keep in contact with people that we love who live so far away. However, I mean, we've got a friend of ours, he refuses to get a smartphone, he refuses to get a Facebook, and, you know, that's good. I have toyed with the idea of shutting down my Facebook so many times, but then there's that you know, I have my aunt who lives in Georgia and my other aunt who lives in South Carolina and, you know, people that I still actually... So I just went through and deleted like 500 people that I'm like, I don't even know how I know you kind of thing.
2: Oh, that's all about interest. Uh Most of the people that I have on mine, I really aren't necessarily friends with, but because they are into the same music scene, into our podcast. And that's really all I really use Facebook and Twitter for anymore is just to broadcast the the podcast. Which is
1: fine. That's what it's meant for. I mean, I do
2: talk about movies and stuff, like, (laughs) with some of these YouTube channel personalities and whatnot, but...
1: And that's the other thing, too. We, um... You know, we've met so many great people who just share similar interests that without Facebook or without the internet, we would have... The Fat Samurai guy. You know. Krypton Scully. Uh, who else? Dave's
2: Little Beasties. Dave's
1: Little Beasties. We, um... We've been able to keep in touch with our friends who live overseas. It's it's just kind of... It's amazing. Now, for me, uh, I am not, like... I like my phone, um, but I'm not the type of person... I, I see this happen a lot with the kids. Like, as soon as a new one comes out, it's like, gotta have the best one. Now, I'll keep a phone until it dies. Like, I... I you know, unless it really pisses me off. I, um... But anyway, I digress. I want people to realize that, to me, the 90s just... Maybe everybody does that with their teenage years, but I feel like the 90s was just, like, this perfect blend of new technology. Everybody seemed... This is before 9-11. Everybody was really hopeful. The the economy was good. There were things going on all the time. Lots of jobs, and then it just kind of, like... Yeah,
2: the only downer was from, like, 94 to, like... 97 mil it kind of it was out there but it just kind of got stagnant mm-hmm. so like even though we can go back and find hidden gems that were, were released around that time it's like as fun. far as like just in the know like even out here where we live like most of the concerts was hard to, harder to find mm-hmm. and so obviously I was branching out when Alternative Rock came out and checking a lot of that stuff out and which I'm fine with. I, I'm pretty open to a lot of different things, especially when it's rock-related. But, you know, it's just... It's funny how you had all this other stuff going on, as you said, but in f- terms of the metal scene itself, it would kind of, like, just gotten stale or stagnant. It wasn't yeah, but really... at the
1: end, it just kind of picked up again. But
2: then, uh, yeah, for me, in 97, when uh, Anthems came out by Emperor and uh, Darkness and Triumph came out from uh, Demi Boy Year, I was like... I kind of restarted stuff that got me into a whole different part of metal and that was like kind of the kickoff at that point i'm
1: just thinking like even mainstream like corn and limp biscuit they they kind of came out of nowhere at the end of the well 90s. they were
2: there in the, during that lull but they weren't what everybody was really wanting or expecting mm-hmm. so it's like you know they got ostracized basically because they were doing something different than what we were used to and I know people frown upon them a little bit, but, you know, the reality is, had they not done it, who knows where we would be right now.
1: I feel like they did kind of, like, turn the spotlight back on metal. I mean... We, it was
2: a different brand of metal, but it was there, and so... they. And were Nine Inch Nails, us- too.
1: They they kind of, like, all kind of started pulsing at the end of the 90s. Um, Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson is more rock, but you see... You know, you know what I mean. Um, you had...
2: Well, that's the thing, like Manson, Zombie, they were still doing this, you know, horror rock shock stuff, but again, keeping metal relevant, and of course, Ozzy doing that's his OzFest stuff. OzFest
1: started in the late 90s. So
2: there's a lot of stuff that was keeping it relevant, but yeah, anyway, back to your pick.
1: Love the 90s, so I want everybody to love the 90s as much as I do, and really, I hear this song and I think, 1994. Months
2: go by, I a song. Here we go. Okay. Audio jump. Attention, please.
0: Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, jump. we will bring you on a journey Like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. For your jungle, hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome
1: DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
2: That rock block plattens easily. All right, so so got yeah, a quick update on the show Loki because we only are two episodes in, but it's already fooled us, just like the god of mischief. The
1: trickster
2: he is, the trickster he is. So basically, we talked about how Loki had been. Uh, apprehended by the TVA, and Mm -hmm. they wanted to recruit him to chase down what they considered a version of him. Now, I've been reading up a little bit on this, because the the only problem with Marvel and the movies we watch and whatnot, sometimes they're taking bits from the comics, because that's what it's all based Mm -hmm. upon. I haven't read the comics. You've read some of them, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. So, one thing we didn't consider, uh, well, well, let's get into first, like, what happened in episode two. So. Loki's teaming up with uh, uh They go and they finally figure out, Loki's able to figure out how and when the next Loki's going to strike. So they managed to find out where he's hiding because he hides within storms or in timelines where apocalyptic events are going to occur. So, like
1: Pompeii.
2: Right. So that's how he's been able to avoid tracking by the TVA. So, we get to the moment where Loki and Mobius have basically tried to set a trap, but the evil Loki basically is already setting traps and has a plan of his own, which we'll kind of get to in a minute because it's a little bit deceptive. mm mm-hmm. um, So, eventually, uh, Loki gets separated from the rest of them. Now, he's... And in fact, in fact, by the end of the episode, he's managed to like get away from him. So he's he's on his own now. Like he's able to <laughs> be free. They might still be able to track him because of the fact that he's Loki, and they have ways of tracking variants. But
1: well, no, because they they screwed up the timeline at the end, so they may not be able to track him because they're. That's
2: true. That's true. But, see, didn't that happen, though, When initially when Loki took the Tesseract and landed where he did? They just found him?
1: They did, but those little, um, I forgot what they're called, those little time bombs? Yeah. That the other Loki was stealing was huge.
2: Disrupted it. All. Yeah.
1: So, basically, they were worried about that particular Loki mainly because they were, um, that Loki the other Loki was going through timelines and actually killing the TVA agents right. and stealing those little time bomb things and collecting them so that Oh that's
2: right because the idea was for evil Loki to take these time bombs and, and set
1: them all off at one which point. Which created
2: all these different branches uh, Yeah okay Be- so
1: because the, what the TVA does is as soon as they see a branch start
2: they go to it They go
1: to it and that's how they found And that's the how they time. found Loki. current loki right and um so other loki has been jumping through timelines and going to places where hiding in places where there are cataclysmic catacly oh my god
2: Cat- cataclysmic, cataclysmic
1: events. events jesus christ
2: <laughs> and
1: <laughs> what was yeah it?
2: noobs get your shit right right it, it
1: what was really interesting though is how um loki figured it out because he went to the um the library of the tva and he was like i want all the information that you have on the the time overlords or whatever they are and they're like that's classified timekeepers timekeepers yeah i want all this and they're like that's classified he's like well what can you give me and they gave him this one folder and it was about the day that asgard was destroyed destroyed and he was reading it and realized that there are no variants detected. No time variants detected, no variants, like people messing with. And he got the idea that that's what was happening. That this other Loki... Yeah,
2: evil Loki mm-hmm. would go commit a crime basically against TVA. Jump into a place where there was a event that was going to happen that no one really cared because everybody's going to be wiped out. So they didn't bother. To... And they
1: and they they even tested the theory. Um, yeah. Mor- Morbius and, and Loki went to Pompeii
2: mm-hmm.
1: right before the volcano erupted, and Loki's like, "That big volcano is about to erupt. You're all going to die." And then he's like, messing with things, and 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 <laughs> and the Mor- Morbius is like, "Stop it." Don't yeah. do that.
2: Mobius thinks that him doing that's going to change time, but what happens is it doesn't change anything.
1: <laughs> and they realize that, and they're like, oh, my God, he's right. So <laughs> they're they're putting these pieces together, and when they finally realize um, future for us, but it was like 2055 that um, there was a huge hurricane that wipes out an entire city, they're like, that's where it's going to be. That's, that's where... the the time variant is gonna be. They get there and it's kind of inside of like this giant Supermarket supermarket Walmart type thing. And it's in Texas and you know, they have all these hurricanes anyway, and the flooding and they destroyed like the entire city, but you're seeing like while the storm's going on, evil Loki is hiding in people, you know, kind of like transferring themselves into other people. Yeah, if
2: you remember from the movies, Loki was able to use the scepter to possess people like Hawk or the doctor, uh, scientist guy from, um, Avengers to do his bidding, basically. Uh, this Loki basically can touch you and get it done. Like, that's how he's been able to manipulate TVA people to Mm -hmm. turn on each other and do all this and that. Now, at the end of this episode and we're only two in, Loki has managed to confront or at least one of the people possessed by evil Loki. And it's like basically calling him out to come like show his face. And eventually when evil Loki does, we discover it's not actually Loki, current Loki. It's actually a girl.
1: It's female Loki. Now there's there's so many different like theories because... Clearly, this is only the second episode. So they're like, is this actually Loki? Yeah,
2: this is what goes back to what I'm talking about with the the Marvel comics. Because apparently in the comics, there is actually a a female Loki that was created. um, And does have more power than current Loki. But then there's also this character named Sylvie. And I don't know much about her. But uh, she was basically... Apparently when what is it saying? Asgard is actually kind of reborn, but then they mention over Broxton, Oklahoma, which I don't know how that plays into that, but uh, the girl Lady Loki is basically kind of like born out of that. And so the, the, the article I've been reading isn't quite clear. Like They don't know for sure if this is based off Sylvie or if it's just based off another version of uh loki which we didn't consider because netcode brought up that after endgame that once you mess with the timeline so many different things can change we could literally have
1: that loki could have been born a female right back in the day
2: another different timeline Mm -hmm. and uh you know just like you could have different thors or different in fact love and war is coming out soon and that's supposedly going to have some tie-ins with natalie portman's character uh, basically becoming her own weapon of sorts or god, whatever. And, and
1: who's to who's to say that it could not just be Loki possessing somebody else and, and tripping True. someone? Yeah, we're...
2: Or, we're
1: all... um, I was reading something where they're like in another timeline old evil Loki comes back to Oklahoma and puts his soul into a child.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So... We don't know. There's there's just so much that could happen, and it's just really fun.
2: Yeah, it, it, it was actually, in some ways, I was much happier that it was a different character of sorts. It may still be Loki, but the fact that it wasn't, like, a carbon copy
1: mm-hmm.
2: was kind of sweet. Like, it was, like, neat. Uh, and she was a little feisty, and clearly she has a little bit more power than he does. And But so she escapes by going through another time Time thing, uh, with a time bomb, or whatever that gizmo thing she has. Mm-hmm. And at the last minute, Loki, when the rest of the TVA catches up with them, obviously they see the carnage and they think that he's responsible. So He's not waiting around to take the blame for it this time. And he so, walks
1: through that portal. Yeah, he jumps
2: through the portal, and now they can't find him. Or well, at least they can't get a hold of him right away.
1: Well, they can't They can't find him because, number one, there's like 15 branches off of that timeline. Number yeah, the
2: TVA, when they discovered that the bombs went off, they were freaking the fuck out because there was like millions of different uh, branches to this thread.
1: And this was during an apoph- apocalyptic event. Right. So you, it's really hard to pinpoint variants when you know that this time, this area is going to be destroyed anyway.
2: But I think one thing Neko and I were kind of wondering about all this is uh, you know, Loki himself, current Loki, we wondered if, because he knew of his own death, uh, through the first episode, like, he knew how his fate ended. Because uh, he, when he was jumping, he was still, like, early, years before his death, actually, to Thanos. So mm-hmm. he, did, he didn't even know how he was going to pass. So we think maybe... So this
1: is all screwed up anyway, because if you're a, a Marvel fan, we know what happens with Thanos. Right. So this is, he's just kind of like... There is no definitive start to finish timeline with Marvel we're seeing this could be be Loki because they already, the Avengers screwed with the timeline when they went back in time when Loki was being um, arrested, I'm trying to think what movie that was, when he picked up that Tesseract from that point on, that was before Thanos died before, you know so he didn't get to that point yet to realize what was happening
2: well, and I think that's the thing we've kind of gathered, like, w- regardless of uh, future Loki is different than current Loki, it seems that both are probably kind of thinking the same thing in terms of, you know what, I know I'm going to die, but I need to find a way to cheat death, because, like, you know, Loki doesn't want to die. Mm-hmm. And I, I think both of them, in a way, don't like the way that things are predestined, and I think that's one thing that was pointed out in the first episode, is that, we go back to how, uh, who, who's the character? Owen Wilson.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, his character, Mobius. He's telling Loki, "Look, you're just here for one thing. You're here to inspire the good people. That's all you're built for." Like, and it was really kind of condescending because Loki, we can tell throughout the entire Marvel universe, has always been kind of good and bad. He's he's had moments where he's like human, almost like you know, he's he's understanding he's helped his brother at times uh he loves his dad and his mom clearly that was one thing that we saw in the, the flashbacks of what happened with the aftermath of the and I dark think, world i think
1: he he's kind of like what we were saying about lewis in uh in suits it's like he gets ahead and things are going great and then something happens that kind of like
2: well they're both like it's a, a type of person that wants to be respected and attention and and sort of praised
1: But then it just never really happens. Right, then
2: they do some stupid shit, and that's where shit falls apart. Mm -hmm. So, but it's clear, I think, and current Loki isn't quite there yet, but I got a feeling that he's going to understand where uh, future Loki's going with all this. So, I don't know if current Loki's going to become, like, really bad or evil. I don't see that, because I think they've been kind of driving at this thing where current loki's kind of learning from his mistakes this is one of the things that happened in uh ragnarok before mm-hmm. odin died. Is that loki's kind of understanding that yeah i'm kind of a pain in the ass but i love my brother i love my parents and they were the ones that raised me and i despite all my lashing out with all this and that like you know i do care and so i think he is probably going to be taken on future Loki in some capacity uh, we don't know how it's going to play out I could be totally wrong but that's just kind of my gut feeling uh, this is basically Loki's show so he's the man and we're going to find out what's going to be happening we
1: but, always love Tom Hiddleston too yeah. so this is this is great for us but
2: that, uh, the little twist at the end with the uh, Loki not being exactly him was kind of cool and that's the thing that's really piqued our interest a lot Mm-hmm. Alright, well, let's get back into some good music. Uh, I got a track in here from Against PR from Ancient Malignity. But we're going to cut it off some uh, classic Merciful Fate, Mm -hmm. Desecration of Full Souls. King Diamond, baby. Mm -hmm. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio.
0: You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Oh. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate, I would appreciate it. appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon. Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Elliot, hi. Alison Gardner, uh, uh, Sporting News. Oh, uh, well, it's nice to meet you, (laughs) ma'am. God, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to meet you. I was just wondering if there was a possibility if you might consider doing something exclusive with me uh, for the magazine. You know, maybe more intimate, one-on-one, just the two of us. Yeah, right. I'd kill you one-on-one. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> God, it's so exciting to be here. I mean, uh, you must have an enormously huge
1: talent to do what you do.
0: Well, you know, you go out there and you just give 110%. And uh, you hope you play good. Mm-hmm. And you want to play good. Oh, I think we played pretty good tonight. Oh, God, you were incredible tonight. I mean, watching you, I just kept thinking how unbelievably big your uh, ego must be after a game like that. Oh, not that big, really. <laughs> I bet it's pretty big. Well, you guess a little bit bigger. <laughs> it just depends on how happy I am. <laughs>
1: God.
2: Heck,
0: want to... Go back to my place. I'll show you my bottle cap collection.
1: Oh God, that would that would be tremendous. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, God. I should uh, should get dressed. I can't wait. <clears throat> <gasps> oh my God! Um, oh! oh! Hey! What the <laughs> hell? Uh, what? Oh God, there's there's. Just... Hey! Just, Damn! Um, oh, heck! Oh, Oh God, I just, I remembered, there's just this, um, teeny, tiny thing to What's do. What's teeny? Um, no, 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 it's just uh, something that I have to write. You, about me? Yeah,
1: yeah, just a, a little short itty bitty blurb but, about but, tonight's game. Uh, well, uh, can I see you after the road trip? Um, God, you know, I would love to, but I'm, I'm working on a really big,
0: huge, enormous story on the NFL, so I, I probably won't have time. Oh, shoot. I understand. You gotta get 110%. Right. Stay within yourself. Hey, oh, yeah. Hey, um. Thanks for your time. So long. Oh. What the hell? Oh, damn the devil. Damn the devil to hell. Oh. Shoot. Darn it. Where the heck did I put that?
2: Yeah, if you haven't guessed by now Netco's Pick of the Week was Bedazzled
1: So that's for our Retro Movie Vault um, So Bedazzled actually Is a remake
2: so uh, 1967 with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore
1: And it was a uh, play yep. And then they made it a movie and God bless Brendan Fraser uh, And Elizabeth Hurley because Those two Nailed it. And it the thing I like you know, nowadays what we're finding is movies are like really long and this was perfect. It was what, like an hour and a half? Hour 45 if that?
2: Most of them are like an hour and 45 minutes, but the thing is like, we watched the 67 version a few years ago because we were curious about it when we were watching it. And those. it was
1: still funny. Yeah. But it was just more like dry humor.
2: Right. Because I think it's, well, British and I think they're British, but Anywho, uh around this time, two thousand when this movie was made, Hurley and Brandon Fraser were both really hot commodities in Hollywood. Like both of them were doing a lot of films. I know Hurley was doing uh the first Austin Powers around this time and Brandon was doing the Mummy movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So uh yeah, you know, so basically the premise is Brandon Fraser plays Elliot Richards, who is this kind of geeky dude who works uh, at some sort of call center in San Francisco, and he's trying so hard to make friends with co-workers, and of course he has this crush on a girl named Allison, uh, who you heard in that little clip there. Hurley now uh, plays uh, the devil as she comes to flesh in this form, of female, but uh you know, she basically comes up to Elliot and says, You know, I, what if you want, Allison? I can grant you seven wishes. And of course, it takes a minute for Elliot to really be convinced that she can do it. So, the funny thing about this movie is that Hurley's character, as the devil, certainly grants the wishes, but she twists everything into a very morbid style of uh, humor. So,. The first time or she'll,
1: she'll do something that kind of throws the story
2: off, right? So, because she, she's working in her self interest, the seven wishes basically is in trade for his soul. This is what she does, and so, like, the first time he says, Well, okay, I want a Big Mac and Coke. Now, he's expecting her to snap her fingers and it just pop in his hand, but she ends up having him get in a taxi, go to McDonald's, and then he pays for the Big Mac and Coke. But, you know, he wasn't really specific, so she's very clear on that with what goes on. So once he's gone through and signed the contract, which is like a book along, uh, he can start doing his wishes. And so one of the first ones he does is like, I want to be rich, powerful, and married to Allison. And she grants him the wish, but it turns out he becomes a Colombian drug lord who speaks Spanish. And his wife is having an affair with another dude who's trying to take him over, but... It's so funny, because he, at first, doesn't even understand that he's, you know, in the movies, like, or in this particular segment, he's, like, speaking in Spanish, like, I can't believe I don't speak Spanish. And then he starts speaking in Spanish, like, oh, I thought it was spell, you know, his little Spanish uh, wording there, uh, which is funny, because, you know, it just, it's so, it cracks me up. And then the co-workers that he works with that kind of, like, bullshit him and, and you know, torment him a little bit by pushing them off uh, they become like characters in every story that he's a part of. Yeah it's like
1: a little tiny like skit almost every single wish.
2: So he's gone from like drug lore and then of course when that doesn't work because he's almost getting his ass killed uh, Hurley's character of course is like you know well you weren't specific you know and
1: she's like well let's find out what Allison really wants. Right.
2: So then it goes into another segment where you know girls like guys that are sensitive because they, they actually read her diary. So he starts saying, "Well, okay, I want to be totally sensitive. I want to be the most sensitive man on the planet." And this is one of our favorite scenes in the movie because they're on a beach and he's got like this reddish hair and freckles and they the way that they change him up a little bit for each of the episodes is funny. So he's got his little guitar and he's singing about dolphins and <laughs> he starts crying at the sunset and then of course, "Why
1: won't you set?"
2: And, of course, the guys that play the co-workers that are part of this little story now, part of the next segment, they're, like, uh, these, like, tough guys on the beach playing soccer or something. And, they and they're the,
1: kicking the sand. Kicking
2: in. sand in his face. And finally, Allison's kind of, like, you know, her character's, like, why can't I just want a guy who won't pay attention to me? And <laughs> the other guy's, like, I, I can do that. Yeah. That's and so me, they go a, up. right. So they go get a beer, and that that one fails. So it's a continued segment. Each wish that he has, it just starts bombing for one reason or another. The one you heard in the clip is my him.
1: favorite.
2: Yeah, he's a basketball player like Michael Jordan. He wanted to be uh, really strong and big and play talented.
1: And he loves basketball. Like right. you see. He at at the beginning, when he comes into the office, he's talking to the guys. he's like, "Oh, I didn't know you played there. Hey, we can go you know shoot some round ball and then in his cubicle, um the team that he plays for is the Diablos in the um in the little skit, but at his desk, you see a little like picture of the Diablos, so he's like living out his dream
2: right and uh but the one shortcoming ha <laughs> <laughs> ha is that when he's undressing in front of Allison who's playing a reporter uh, cause she clearly sees him and thinks that he's gonna be the most hung dude on the planet and then when he reveals his towel like she's like oh oh tiny I got this tiny thing. I got this, I tiny got this
1: teeny what's teeny? Yeah
2: so he's freaking out but he's also big and strong but he's dumb as rock so he has a hard time figuring out how to get out of the wish. <laughs> So, yeah, this just goes on and on, and then finally, you know, towards the end, I won't give too much away, but, you know, he finds a way to get out of it, but the cool thing that Nick and I were talking about with this particular movie and story is that it doesn't really have, like, a sad ending of any sorts. It's you know, even for the devil, because she's just kind of like... She's
1: like, I'm doing my job, everybody hates me! Well,
2: she's like, you know, the whole thing with him and me, it's, you know, it's all really about you. So she's actually playing like a cool devil where like, yeah, she's taking souls, but she's not like a hard ass or pissed off that it didn't work like, you know, and there's like that nice moment there at the end before they walk away from each other that, you know, Elliot's like, well, you're really actually the only friend I had. So that's kind of a cool thing. Now, obviously he ends up finding a woman who is similar to Allison at the end but uh it's a really great funny movie really really good it's really it's really at the height of both of their careers um i talked about a few episodes back maybe over a year ago because neka was still kind of out on the boat but uh fraser's career you know for different reasons had kind of fallen off the map for some pretty sad reasons but uh this is actually one of his better movies, same with Hurley. Uh she's a great actress, I've always liked her, even from Passenger Fifty Seven as a terrorist. <laughs> but uh you know, if if you followed her at all, she was great in Austin Powers and stuff like that, so uh certainly worth watching if you if you like comedies. And this I, is one of our favorite comedies. I people.
1: know, I dig it so much. Like, I know this it's it's campy and funny. And at the end, it's heartwarming because, you know, Elliot learned a lot about himself. Oh yeah. By going through that, and then as he's riding his bike home from work, he passes the his new girlfriend, Nicole, that um, he just bumped into her by accident, and they both are like stereophiles, and she's yeah like, she was
2: moving in, next and show. she's like
1: super like him bubbly and and. He's like, do you have a sister? Because she looks just like Allison, but...
2: And and of course, you know, for us, it's we think that maybe God and the devil kind of gave him...
1: Threw him a bone, because he, he used his last wish. He was tired of just failing. He's like, no, I'm not giving you my soul. I don't want to do this anymore. Nothing is working, and the devil gets really pissed off. He's like, fine. I just want Allison to be happy.
2: Yeah. So it was a selfless act, and that was, to her, was a selfless act of redemption, which got him out of the contract, uh, because she says no one ever reads the contract, but then again, it's like...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like three phone books
2: right. put together. But, uh, yeah, so the girl that is moving next, Nicole next to him, uh, looks a lot like her, so he asks her, do you have a sister? She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I have a younger brothers, and this and that before it kind of just goes into their final scenes but... but then
1: at the end you see them walking and holding hands and you see they walk past god and the devil and they like kind of tap each other and are like look look so i do feel like you know fate did intervene to like get put her in the apartment by elliot because mm-hmm. you know they were like just so perfect for each other
2: yeah it's it's just one of those things if you were to you know, try to dissect it. And but, it was
1: directed by Harold Remus. Yeah. Which is awesome.
2: Yeah, but you know, if you were to think of it deeper, when you really shouldn't, but if you were, sure, Hurley's character could really treat people badly if they were bad people, but I think they generally thought that, you know, Elliot was a good guy that just was getting the short end of the stick. And so, even though the whole plan was to get his soul, the fact that he kind of grew out of that, like you said, even that moment where it's one of my favorite moments—he he comes back to work and the the coworkers who generally like make fun of him and whatnot—you know—are trying to poke fun at him again. He just doesn't have any. He just pushes the one guy against the wall, mm-hmm. says, "Have a good day," and then like looks at the others and they all kind of like squander away, knowing that he's no longer putting up with their shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he grew. Uh, he found a backbone basically, and you know he got. A lot better with his, his self And understood who he was And going through all the shit that he did uh, Cause you know I'm sure even though they were all like Wishes and tests he, he did learn and grow from that
1: And he also um He got a little bit of Self esteem mm-hmm. And he got like He realized that These people Really are just kind of like they he doesn't have to find friends in the workplace and he he kind of figured out that this is not what it's it's kind of like that talking head song and the days go
2: yeah once in a lifetime yeah
1: so i feel like that's how he was feeling like after he went through this whole grand you know insanity he just kind of like said i just got to figure my shit out
2: yeah, the, the, the one thing we didn't mention was before he ran into Nicole, he actually had bumped into Allison at work when he, when he returned. Mm-hmm. And he actually grew you know the confidence to go up to her and just talk to her and say, you know, he tried to ask her out for coffee because he said that she looked interesting. It was his way of finally just being a man about it and talking to her, but she was already involved. so he But he was cool about it. He was like, well, you know, you know if it doesn't work out. I hope you kind of keep me in mind. And she thought it was a sweet thing, and then they parted ways. So he did attempt to get the girl that he wanted, but she was already involved with somebody. So he just said, okay. And that's, of course, then when he later on ran into Nicole, and that's forever what he would be with her. So it it was just a really nice story. Like, even if you're breaking it all down, it's a good story about growth and everything else.
1: So if you want to be intellectual about it, yes, you can see, like, the intellectual side, but it's really funny. Look, yeah. It's, everything, it's, it's, it, a, it's always funny. It's, there's no, like,
2: lulls. It, it's meant to be, like, a dumb comedy, but, you know, if you really just sit there with it, it's kind of cool to watch the character grow, and they're both, again, well-acted. Nothing's bad in there. We we enjoy the shit out of it. It's, it was one of, the earliest, one of the earliest DVDs we ever got, um... There are just certain movies that kind of have that effect. We talk about it a lot of time with some of Simon Pegg's stuff or uh, Nick Farley, uh, you know, with Tommy Boy and stuff like that, or even Hitch, Sweetest Thing, stuff like that. There's always certain comedies that just stand out among a lot of the others. So uh, this is one that most people don't talk about too much, but it's amazing. I just love it.
1: I think we've. Uh, I'm trying to think how many times we've seen this. <laughs>
2: like,
1: at one point it was on TV a lot So we'd watch it all the time But I'm always just so I like when a movie That I've seen so much When I pop it in It still kind of gives me the giggles You know mm-hmm. And it's still it it's just, it's just well done
2: Yep Very well made Great remake You don't usually hear that a lot with remakes Because you know I don't know, I could use that as a topic for another day, but like...
1: We could, you know, we'll start doing a little research, like, originals versus remakes, and...
2: Because and I think it's, my only point with this was, you know, the original came out in 67, which is fine. It is a good movie.
1: And it's very 70s, but, or 60s, rather, but they also, they really touch on the seven deadly sins in that one. Right. Where they're like, this is, you know, sloth, and this is gluttony, and they'll show, like, people... and they did that a little bit in this one because
2: towards, the end, towards yeah.
1: the end they were like the part where she has all those like dead souls that are dancing at her nightclub at, but at night they get to be young and hot again but they're still like trapped by her and um it was, it was just interesting cause they were taught she'd say something and then she's like no I, I, I care about gluttony and sloth and mm-hmm. this and that so the original kind of hits a little bit more on like all sides of the devil, where this is just she's really focusing on just.
2: Well, they 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 really use, and I was gonna bring this. Up, I was like, if you haven't seen Elizabeth Hurley, especially in her heyday, she's she's actually still very beautiful. But back then, like just a fucking knockout. The,
1: the so, so she's, she's wearing in, yeah,
2: she's wearing that all,
1: bikini like
2: schoolgirl. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. She does everything she can because she has sex appeal, so that's what they concentrated on with this, especially because Elliot was trying to chase another girl. Like It's the same plot as the other one, but just like as Neko said, they were doing different things with the other one. But my point about the remakes is, a lot of times it seems like they can get away with remaking very older movies to modern, like, say, the original Thing versus Carpenters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to, like, the 80s and 90s and people are trying to redo things, it's a little bit harder because the movies that are made in the 80s and 90s, regardless of budget, are still very good films. So, if someone was to go to try to make um, Commando from Schwarzenegger, it's going to be very hard to do that.
1: mm mm-hmm.
2: uh, You know, or, or Predator. Like, you know, they've tried it a few times with different incarnations of the series, but... You're not ever going to beat, like, the original from an 80s or 90s film, I don't believe. Uh, it's very rare. Now, the only side of that would be uh, Neko and I both loved the remake or reboot of Evil Dead. Like, that was a very good reboot. Um, very gory much more serious noted than the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's not better than *Army of Darkness* or even 2*, but it, it is better than the first one. we feel in that case. So, but I think, yeah, I think we'll kind of revisit this a little bit for the next podcast and try to go maybe through. maybe
1: watch two, like original and and, and remake and and kind of see like, or we'll we'll start making a list of movies that we've seen that we right. know are remakes. There's plenty
2: that we have. Like I was just reading um, another article about something else, but. Uh, the Italian job Which I have On DVD Is a, it's remake. a remake Yep And it's very good And so, I've
1: never seen The original But I've seen I think the, I've
2: seen Parts of it But it uh, kind of Bored me Compared to the new ones They're
1: driving around In the little minis Because they They needed to make sure That they had Like a certain Apparently width.
2: From what I read Like Ed Norton Didn't want to do the film mm. And he was really good at it But he had some issues With Paramount And Uh The I guess the But the movie Had done well In the theaters hmm and so Paramount as a kind of a gift to at least a good portion of the actors, the main actors, he had Wahlberg and I think Charlie Theron was in it too, but mm-hmm. uh, they all bought them minis, including Norton. Norton sent his bag and said, why don't you just give it to someone who who, who you...
1: needs a car?
2: Well, he said, just give it to someone who you would actually like and likes you.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. So I, yeah,
2: he was really bitter about it. He didn't want to do it. He thought he already fulfilled his commitments in Paramount, but... uh I thought he was good in it. He always plays a good villain type guy. I thought he did a good job in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's professional. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy that it kind of gets lost in his own ego a little bit because, as much as I love Ruffalo as Hulk, you know, I did like the Hulk with Norton being Banner. I thought that was a pretty decent movie, um, but he's just one of those guys that kind of just gets out of his own way a little bit. Anywho, uh, Bedazza is certainly worth it for a comedy. Check it out. It's funny. As yes. Hell.
1: I a, give that two thumbs up.
2: He's play, He plays like, uh, like we said, he's played a drug lord, basketball player. Uh, he was actually gay in one segment. Yeah.
1: Because uh, after the basketball, he's like, I want, you know.
2: I want to be oh, smart. <laughs> I want to be. He, I oh. want to be big. <laughs> not, <laughs> but then, not, not crazy big. You know, like, correct. Or it's like, not crazy big. Well, you know what I'm talking about. And
1: then he was he was like but again the little uh trick that she see, she's like Loki the little trick that she oh, pulled yeah, yeah. was haha you're gay. Yeah. And so. then and then he's like I am not gay. I am not gay. And then when they took her to he tried to kiss Allison. He's like yup,
2: um, yep, I'm, I'm gay. gay. And then there's one quick one where it was <laughs> too damn funny. He, Want to be powerful again? like, but I want. He's, he's like, like, I want to
1: do good. I want
2: to be the president of the United States, and then he ended up becoming Abraham Lincoln. And I was like, oh Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> and then she, she was, he was. They're like,
2: I'm going to see a play. No. Yeah, he was freaking. It was so good. Uh, you just check it out. Highly recommended. All right, well, let's get back into our music and close this motherfucker out. All right kicking off the next block, Vile Cynic, uh, provided by Metal Devastation Radio. This is Tools of the Tormentor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the fucking steps, in the underground, in the bridge, lift down, roll the dead and The only mercy now is God This race is waiting for its war
2: This is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Merrill Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music. Sector. DJ Nimbus here with you.
1: And DJ is here
2: with you. Getting ready to close out another edition of the Hordes of Chaos. Hope you all enjoyed it. We will see you all next week. Many thanks again to all our followers who download and listen to our show, as well as the promotional sites and labels that work with us to bring us the great music that you get to do.
1: I know. And, like, it's just been so nice. Like, I don't know. We've been getting a lot of. Comments and a lot of people who have just said, Yeah, we really enjoy your show. So, more the merrier is what I say.
2: Yeah. So, thanks again, all. We wish, wish you a beau. A do. A A beau. I'm going to view you. I'm going to be you. Have a good evening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. See you next time. Peace.
1: Peace out, motherfucker.